Hi, I'm Charity. I'm Stacy. I'm Lee. And I'm Amelia. Joining us is our friend Aaron Schatz. Aaron loves to fly. He is a commercial airline pilot. And Aaron, do you you wear the like nice suit and you look all handsome? Four stripes and wings. Very, very handsome, yes. Um, he is a worship leader. He's a songwriter, writes some of the most beautiful songs that actually just come from his heart. He is a singer. He is from Dallas, Texas, originally from Detroit. Just south of Detroit. He is a dear, dear, dear friend. But ultimately, I would he would want you to know that he is a follower of Christ at his core. So welcome, Aaron Schatz. Thank you. Take us on a flight. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I always I always get asked to do the captain voice. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen from the flight deck, welcome aboard flight number 728B. That's a little Church of Christ joke there for you. <laughs> My name is Aaron, serving as your captain today. I'll be the one flying this leg along with First Officer Charity. You've already met your flight attendants, Amelia, Stacy, and Lee. Please do me a favor. In just a few moments, Amelia, Stacy, and Lee will give a safety demonstration. Would you please put down your cell phones, take out your headphones, and pay attention? That is important information for your safety in the unlikely event of emergency, and it is specific to this aircraft. Also, please pay attention to all of their instructions and guidance throughout the flight. They're there for your safety. Not complying with crew member instructions is against federal law. And finally, please pay attention to the seatbelt sign. We'll do our best to turn it off if and when we find smooth air. But even if the sign is off, please do just like we do up here. Keep your seatbelt fastened while you're in your seat for your safety and the safety of those around you. Let's go to flying time, one hour, 20 minutes, 37,000 feet. If there is anything we can do to make you more comfortable, let us know. Enjoy the flight. <laughs> Thank you. That was awesome. We're ready for takeoff. Let's go. One of the things that we're going to talk about tonight is... I'm going to do something, I'm just telling them, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I want to jump into categorizing sin mm -hmm. and why we do that. Okay. So I'm, I want to go into that angle and what are, just, just throw out some sins that there are just, what do we struggle with? Alcoholism. Okay. Alcoholism. Gambling. Gambling. Gossip. Gossip. Mm -hmm. Jealousy. Jealousy. Covetousness, mm -hmm. pride, mm -hmm. pride, drugs, uh, substance Addiction. abuse, addiction, yeah, all addictions, mm -hmm. slander, which oh, is yeah. gossip. Did we say sexual sin yet? We have not said mm. that. Is interesting. So literally, I ask y'all, what are the sins, and why is sexual addiction or sexual sin the last one that we was not planned? Uh -huh. That's the last one mm -hmm. that we talked about. So is one either greater than the other? No. Does, no. does God, I mean, we know the right answer. Mm -hmm. So why would we categorize? Why would I say lying is not as big as a sexual sin or murder? We didn't mention murder. Didn't mention Murder's a big mm -hmm. one, right? Mm -hmm. So why is murder greater than lying or gossiping? And why would sexual sin be greater than lying or gossiping. Mm -hmm. Is murder and sexual sin the same? Like, is that not the same? Do we think that's on the same? Like, well, you would think that murder? it would be, yes, you would think that it would be a higher sin, something that would be, 
you know, mm -hmm. more serious. Mm -hmm. So when we gossip and when we slander someone, we're actually murdering, murdering them. them. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So on this podcast, we have invited Aaron because we believe this is a topic that in the, um, in Christianity, we need to talk about, mm -hmm. and this is going to have to do with sexual sin. Um, let's speak on what are, what are some of the sexual sins that we as humans? Adultery. Okay. Adultery. Pornography. Pornography. Lust. Oh, lust. Oh. Mm -hmm. Being abstinent when we're supposed to be. Being abstinent when we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So having sex outside of the marriage. Yeah. Uh, yes. Units. Mm -hmm. Adultery. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we would categorize those all as sexual sin, right? Okay. And we're in agreement. Multiple partners too. Having multiple, multiple partners. partners. Mm -hmm. That was actually in my story, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yes, yes, that is a sexual addiction or sexual sin, mm -hmm. however, Moving forward with that, we are going to, so we are in agreement, right? That we are, we cannot categorize sin. God does not categorize sin, right? No, he doesn't because all sin separates us from God. Mm -hmm. All sin. If you lie, it's a separation. Mm -hmm. Right. So Aaron, we want to invite you to open that. Go ahead. So I figured uh, basically the, Best way to introduce this is just uh, read a statement that I put on Facebook. Uh, this is dated October 28th, 2015. So we're going on between seven and eight years ago, which is really hard for me to believe. <clears throat> but So I start off right off the bat. Uh, disclaimer, if you start reading this, you have to finish the whole thing. So I guess the same is true for the listener here. If you, if you start reading this, listening to this, then... Uh, you're not allowed to hit the stop button. You have to listen to this whole statement. For the last two and a half years, I've been part of Celebrate Recovery. It helped me start on a path to understanding my own hurts, habits, and hangups. As I recognized how deep some of my problems ran, I also sought professional counseling. Through that process, I realized that the only way I'm going to experience healing is to share my story out in the open. I'm not one for using Facebook for such methods, but this is the only means to really accomplish this. I am gay. Maybe that shocks you. Maybe it doesn't. It's something that has taken me a long time to figure out. Because of my upbringing and the things that I was told growing up in the church, I thought this was a temporary problem, something that could be fixed. It wasn't until the last year and a half of counseling that I was led to realize that it was like, likely something I can't change. Does God have the power to change my sexual orientation? Yes. Will he? That's up to him. It has certainly never been my intention to deceive anyone about this. It's just taken me to age 35 to finally sort this out for myself. Mm. Quote, but that's not possible. God wouldn't make someone be born that way if it was going to cause them to sin. That's what I thought for so many years. But let's face the truth. People are born every day in ways that God didn't intend. We live in a fallen world. Humans chose sin, and as a result, things are not the way God intended them on this earth. The bottom line is, I still have a choice. I can 
and will choose to abstain. This is where the church failed. Growing up, I was always told it was wrong to be gay, which further led to my confusion and denial. Mm -hmm. The fact is that nowhere does the Bible condemn same-sex attraction. When the Bible speaks of homosexuality, it refers to the act, not the attraction. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean for you? Well, you basically have two choices. You can either love me or not love me. Mm -hmm. That's the point in me doing this. Mm -hmm. For too long, my identity has not been able to exist in any solid form. In the back of my mind, I always had the nagging thought, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. Now you know the real me. If you choose to not like me, that's okay. At least now I know where things really stand. More important than where I stand with man is where I stand with God. I know where this will make me stand with him. As I state in a song that I wrote, God lo God's love is all the love I need. This confession is to help free me from the shackles of being tied to what others think of me. Thanks for those that took the time to read all this. I'm sure some of you will want to leave comments. Others may not know what to say. That's okay, too. If you have questions, you can ask them privately if necessary. If you want to reach out more personally, you can call or text. God will use this for his good and his glory, stepping out in faith that his love is all I need. Aaron. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable. That's not easy, even as many times as you've read it or shared it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was quite the night to have to hit the post button, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was a Facebook post. Yes. Said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, how did people respond to this statement? I would say 99% positive everybody reinforced that i still love you i still accept you i'm still here for you you know let me know if you need anything and what did that mean for you was it shocking what did you think people were going to do i mean you certainly hope <laughs> that yeah. it's going to be positive but um the the amount of personal messages and things that I got was, was overwhelming. Overwhelming. Yeah. And, and still then, is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, two days later I went, uh, to a celebrate recovery meeting at my church. And that was the, really the first time that I was seeing people in person and obviously, you know, have nerves walking in the building and then they look at you and you look at them and you, now it's like, okay, I know they know. And yet they still come up and they still give me a hug. And it was like, a new experience because oh they're they're hugging me and they know they know the whole me now so you know the beautiful thing about celebrate recovery in particular or a program like that is that everyone wears a red s on their chest hmm. or a red a red a red s red s center yeah, oh, okay. Like yes. A, okay. Because that was her sin. Mm -hmm. Everyone's wearing a red S mm -hmm. um, on their chest. So no one is able to, you know, like right. put a finger. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about what, what did, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you what, what led you to finally decide to write that letter on Facebook and come out? Well, what led to that decision? Like I said, I spent 20 years of my life, um, thinking this was a temporary issue or something that could be fixed or changed. 
mm-hmm. and started out in celibate recovery, but ended up in professional counseling and, and finally was presented with the fact that, no, maybe this is just the way you are and you, you need to come to terms with that. And that was a huge uh, blow and had, had to go through a, a grieving process really mm-hmm. through, through that. But once I accomplished that, then I started, you know, I told my parents and well, obviously broached that topic. That was, that wasn't harder than telling a thousand people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But like I said, once when my, when my therapist first presented this idea, first I wanted to control the narrative. I was like, well, why can't I can just, why can't I just tell who I want to tell? And she's like, no, Aaron, that's the problem is you're controlling the narrative. You're, you're not giving people the choice to love the whole you. Wow. Mm-hmm. And once that sank in, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this is what I need to do. For, and, for not, and everybody says, everybody always talks about, oh, you're so brave. You're so, no, it, to me, it wasn't bravery. It was sanity, like in right. order to just finally be able to let it go and know that I, that I took away Satan's power of that, you know, if they knew the real you. Right. 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 That they can't, I can't. Satan can't do that to me anymore. And isn't that the lie that Satan always, if they really knew who you were, they would not love you. That's right. And it's actually the opposite of who God is. Mm -hmm. He knows all of us, and yet he still loves us. Yeah, because you you had a fear of of, of putting this on Facebook. And so I just want to clarify here. You put this on Facebook before you spoke with your parents? No, or did, was it was the other way year around. A, about a year after. I told a year parents. after you told your mm-hmm. parents. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that we had that in the right order there. But tell me a little bit more about telling your parents. How did you approach that? I mean, because at, the first thing you did, you didn't tell your parents at first. Right? No, I was so nervous about telling them. I was in, so I live in Dallas, but I'd gone to. Uh, Tennessee for both a Christian conference and a family reunion. Mm -hmm. So my parents were there for the family reunion. My aunt and uncle were there for the Christian conference. I was so nervous about telling my parents that while I was out to dinner with my aunt and uncle uh, at the Christian conference, I told them first. Because you were testing the waters. Basically. Yeah. And kind of asking for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you knew. Mm-hmm. And you had also mentioned there was another reason why you wanted to tell your aunt first. Um, I knew my mom did not take news like this well. She mm-hmm. is a perfectionist and can she's a self-admitted, can be a control freak. Mm-hmm. And so this is not part of how life was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And so I knew this was going to be a, a unplanned, not how she planned life and therefore going to be difficult for her and so I thought well if there's anybody that knows how to deal with that it's her sister <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah yeah and so, so tell us how they took it mm-hmm. um I mean I, I was I was in I was in so much shock and nerves and that I don't remember a whole lot of specifics I just remember so we finished dinner and I don't remember anything but love and support but especially what sticks in my mind the most is walking into the Christian conference that night and her just putting her arm, you know, hugging me and putting her arms around me as we walked in and just told me it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So. Yeah. And how so, did, go yeah. ahead. So I would assume that would give you courage to move forward to talk with your mom and say, this is just something I need to do. How, how long between telling your aunt and your uncle to your mom? Either just one day or two days. It was pretty, it was the same, same, week. same weekend. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 
support is so important um, with any, and we'll talk about this later, but with any sin that we need to get off our chest or confess because you're, how, how long have you been, had you been in therapy before you told your aunt? Uh, year or two, I guess. Okay. So confessing it to someone you love, you know, or trusted, that's important. Someone you trusted was important in your healing, mm -hmm. in your healing, um, without wherever God was going to take this. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and the therapist also knew that the therapist also knew that in order for you to get beyond this, you had it, it you had to be your true self. You had to talk about that because the longer that you were hiding that, hiding who you really were, because that's something that you worked out with your therapist. It's, I mean, it's identity crisis. It, yes. 20 years of. Yes, yeah. of trying to hide yeah, who, who you, you really were. Hide it or change something that you mm -hmm. can't change. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I joke. Paul says he asked three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. I asked for 20 years. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. But, that... but I don't ask anymore. You know, just... Why? Why is that? That's interesting. Yeah. That's so good, in a way. It's, it's, and that's not something that we talk about, like, mm -hmm. because you realized if God's going to take it away, He'll take it away. Yeah. You want it to be taken away. He knows that, and so for some reason, He's not, and you trust that. He knows. Right? He knows how I feel about it. Right. We've had lengthy conversations about it, right. but there's. No point in asking anymore. Like he knows how I feel and, and it's, it's, it leaves me more at peace to just not ask anymore. And the other thing I love about that is that I believe, but there came a realization of forgiveness. Elaborate. Okay. Like a forgiveness and you don't have to beg God to forgive mm -hmm. you anymore. You can sit in the reality of this is me. This is my sin. This is my struggle. This is how you made me. So I'm just going to be at peace. Like sit mm -hmm. in this. I don't want to. That's where I it's fail. yeah. That's where it's massively important, and where I feel like the church has failed of differentiating between the attraction and the action. Mm -hmm. I've got no problem sitting and talking with a group of friends, and they mention something about you know, especially if it's a group of girls, and they, oh that guy's really cute. And, yeah, he is cute. Yeah, you know I yeah. <laughs> no problem having that type of conversation now. Right. You know because that's that in itself is not a sin. Right. You know, but yep. be, but before. I would have felt guilty for that right. just for just for thinking that or just for saying that. And so I want to I want to sit there for just a minute because that's important, because I'm wondering if the listener is now categorizing sin, like how how can he say that? Well, if you have struggled with alcoholism and they have proven scientifically that people can be born with the disposition to be an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a yes. You know, um, they have a tendency to do that nicotine, that they can be addicted to nicotine. It can be genetic. It can be genetic, mm -hmm. right? So if addictions mm -hmm. can be genetic, can be a sin because it says do not become, it's not, alcohol is not the sin. Right. It's what you do with it. Right. right? You become, an, it becomes your God, right? Yes. It takes the place of God. So that's what is amazing is that you just, you know, you, sit in it you yes i you acknowledge i have the same sex attraction but but see here's the thing the healing can't happen you said that you know it, at first it was between you and god you prayed about it for 20 years whenever you kept it between you and god 
and the thorn in the flesh, so to speak, was not removed. It is because you had this expectation that God was going to take away something that was genetically in you, quite right? Possibly. Oh, quite possibly, right? And yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it too, that mm -hmm. he, he maybe he did remove the thorn, just not in the way I wanted. Exactly. Know? But the healing had to happen. In order for you to heal from this, the confession had to happen. And that's what you worked out with, with your uh, therapist. And the therapist was wise enough to say, this is your identity. This is who you are. And you need to just go with that. And you need to talk about it. You need to share it. Uh, this is how you need to function and operate in your life, your everyday life, because the only way that you're going to be able to process this in your life with the Lord is to be able to have those people in your life helping you to maneuver. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so it was very important that you were able to open up. So wise therapy. And, you know, when you were talking about mm -hmm. the church categorizing, because can you name any other sin where when you say that's a sin, it also implies the temptation is a sin? Mm -hmm. So when you say, you know, when you say somebody in church says homosexuality is a sin, that not only implies that the action is a sin, that that word can also imply that the temptation is is a sin. Mm -hmm. But with any other sin, when I say lying is a sin, well, that's the action, not, not when you're tempted to be lying. When I say getting drunk or drinking is a sin, that's the action, not the temptation. So no, no other sin that we talk about in church that I can think of or that I'm aware of, mm -hmm. when we talk about it, does it imply that you are sinning just from the desire, desire, just from the, the attraction. Desire. Yeah. And so that's where I'd say that the church has failed of differentiating between the mm -hmm. two. Absolutely. That is, that is, because we are in a sinful body, right? And we are going to have desires and temptations. And I, mean, I think that's why some of the more modern Bi Bi Bible translations, instead of using the word homosexuality, like they specifically say, I think, when a man lies with a man, like they try and, you know, narrow it down to the action, you know, yeah. not just the attraction. Good point. If, if we, if we don't start making that differentiation in the church, then the gay community will feel like they have no hope and, and, if and they, give up and leave. And if, and that's the whole reason why we're having this conversation, because if we do not have an open door with open arms to whatever your struggle is whatever um whatever that is and we don't take time and this is why i don't i mean we may not necessarily some of us have the same struggle right or sin but we love you and we want to understand mm -hmm. just like i want you to understand my sin and my struggles right and so that is what love calls us to do even when it makes us it's too because we don't know and we have to start this conversation in the church um as believers we have to talk about the importance of confessing sin um in order to be healed and mm -hmm. we'll talk about that um in a minute i i do want to hit some things because i find it interesting what ha what what caused you to seek a therapist um said so i was doing attending celebrate recovery uh, at a church i was working at uh, what moved I, you to celebrate recovery honestly it started just as volunteering like i found out they were going to be they they started it up while i was there 
isn't that how everyone starts celebrate recovery? Yeah, and, <laughs> and they mentioned, yeah. well, it's every night. It's gonna we're gonna start with singing. It's gonna be worship, and yeah. I'm like, oh, do you guys need help with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then once I went and started listening to the the 12 steps and the hurts habits and hangups i'm like oh uh, yeah i could use this mm -hmm. and so then i went to a step study at another congregation and went through that process yeah. and but once i was done with that i was like I, there's still something mm -hmm. something deeper here mm -hmm. that i probably need more help mm -hmm. working through so when did you know you were gay or thought you were gay uh, like so, so for 20 years, my thought process was I struggle with same-sex attraction. It wasn't until I went to a therapist and she went down she went down that rabbit hole with me for a while of okay let's let's see if this is something temporary or something you know that can be fixed or changed. But after a while, she just I believe her words were she goes Aaron and you know they teach us in therapy school. I mean maybe Lee can. <laughs> See if she was taught the same thing. Like, if you feel like you're chasing your tail, then that probably means you're treating, yeah, Lee's nodding her head, yes. You're treating the wrong thing. Right. And so she's like, I think we need to approach the topic of this is not a temporary issue. This is something that you are going to have the rest of your life, and you need to accept that. And like I said, I, I went through a, a hardcore grieving process of, like, I stopped. I had really trouble eating for several days. Like I lost weight and was like grieving. Like, so you're telling me I can never get married. Mm -hmm. I can never have a wife. I can't have kids. Like I'm, all these things that I thought were going to be part of my life at some point were taken away. And that was, that was a huge grieving process for a few, for a few days at least. So I want to, I'm going to sit there for a little bit. You still could get married. What's keeping you from getting married? But that's that's a personal thing. But you said you grieve that you let that yeah. go. But why? I want to. If you're okay with talking about that, why? Because I've heard you share that in another interview years ago about why you wouldn't marry or why I, would, why I wouldn't marry a woman. Because I know you desire to have kids. Yeah. Right. I thought definitely mm -hmm. was my goal at one point. Mm -hmm. um, as far as why not to marry a woman, because I you know. I know some people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Somehow they still make it work. I don't know. To me, in my book, the sexual attraction is such a complicated issue. There's different levels of attraction, obviously, different, all sorts of different things that play in part to that. But the bottom line is, clearly, I am more attracted to men. Right. And I don't feel like that would be fair yeah. to any woman to expect her to be married to me when I'm still struggling mm -hmm. or still looking the other direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is, that's honorable <laughs> to realize it's kind of like, um, I'm an alcoholic, I admit I'm an alcoholic and I'm just using alcoholism. So I'm if I marry someone, I've got to, they've got to be willing to take that on too, right? And are you willing to, because you get all, you get all of me and you've got to give up something, right? Um, but thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And you don't want children. They're just little hellish <laughs> walking around. I mean, no, I, I'm joking. I mean, they break things. Pe they throw people things. call me the, the baby whisperer. I, just, I hold all the babies at church and get my fix that way. So, And that's safe. And you can send them back home. And, and I can hand them back. I love yep. filter. Yes. 
So 20 years between the time, how old were you that you realized? Uh, this, I mean, this post, Did when I made it? the Facebook post, that was age 35. So probably before that, about a year years. before that. Well, when you realized you had same sex attraction. Oh, I mean, that age. started at age 13, 13, 14. 14. Okay. And the reason why I wanted to bring that out is because that is a, I, from my experience, a very common age. I may be wrongly. I mean, if that's that's a common age, right? Um, that you're getting, you're going through puberty, you're having all these desires, and then um, that that is. And so, for those listen, because we want this to apply. I mean, I've I've had a friend come out to me and say, I knew at fourteen. I had same-sex attraction. I went to my parents. I confessed this and to a f another family member, and she was literally told she was going to hell, that she could never talk about it again. And she is now an adult, grown adult with children. How do you think that's fair for her? She's divorced. She's trying to figure this out now. And so, and she will, and she'll figure it out, and she is going to God, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that she's wrestling with beautiful mess as we all are and so what i just want to appeal to family members and especially those um, close aunts and uncles to if a loved one comes to you and says hey i've got something i need i want to tell you and it, even if there isn't whatever that sin is i mean this teen could be you know, addicted to drugs or have like, you know, me running buck wild and I didn't have anyone to talk to, you know, about it to help me through those decisions. So Lee. What comes to mind whenever you're talking about how you've known like the majority of your life that you were gay, what was the best thing that people said to you that you want, would want others to say to people who are struggling with that as well? Are you speaking specifically like when I came out or yes, what was the best, best thing that people said or how they reacted to you? I mean, helped you? obviously just love and acceptance. Um, I think the worst thing you can do is try and fix it or, or try and I've, I've definitely had some people that, you know, are you sure you want to put that out there on Facebook? You know, are you, why are you taking on that identity? I've had that question. Um, that's not helpful. <laughs> the, the, the biggest, you know, things that stick in my mind are just the people that said, you know, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I, you know, you're so brave. For, like I said, for, I don't, I don't consider it bravery, but I'm honored that they think it was brave for me to put it out there. And love and support is, is, is all, all somebody needs in that, you know, mm -hmm. c confusing, and, vulnerable time. And I can only imagine for you how you had like expectations of how you should be. Mm. And that was probably hard to realize the expectations of how God made you. Like I said, it was uh, 20 years or more being told by the church, you, you can't be, you can't be both. You cannot be gay and be Christian. Oh, so you can't sin and be a Christian. That's basically what is being said. You cannot sin and be a Christian. And that is, so, that is an impossible task, right? Yeah, yeah. So then now that we're talking about that, then let's go to how did the church respond to this whenever you put this out? 
Um, yeah, your church leaders, your... Yeah. The very first meeting we had was very positive and very supportive. Just that, you know, are you okay? We're here for you. You know. Because you were a worship leader. Um, at that time? No. No. I had been a full-time worship leader at that church, but at this point had stepped down because I was figuring all this out and knew I needed to get out of ministry and not be in that position at the same time I was dealing with all this. But so I got out of it, but I was still a member there. So, but so the first meeting was very positive and supportive. Uh, but then the second meeting went a little awry. Um, basically when I was told, you know, you can, uh, lead worship on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, but not Sunday mornings. And how how much time passed between these two meetings? Did you um, two weeks or less? Two weeks probably. or less. So they had a little bit of time to kind of sit and kind of talk about it yeah. and, and discuss it and before they came back together and met with you again. Clearly started yeah worrying about repercussions and what others were going to think. Yeah. And when you realized that, and they said that in the second meeting, how did that make you feel? As a fellow Christian, how did that make you feel? I basically uh, just stood my ground in a, you know, as far as I'm concerned, in a respectful way. I wasn't, you know, I didn't pound the table and say my way or the highway. I just, I just let them know, no, that's, that's not okay with me. It's, it's going to be all or nothing. Either, either I'm, I'm good enough for Sunday mornings and everything else, or I won't, I'm not going to do it at all. Like the whole reason I put this out here on Facebook and is to let myself know that the whole me is loved and accepted. So if I had agreed to those terms, now suddenly, no, the whole me isn't good enough again. And so I just, I, I knew that there was absolutely positively no way that I could agree to that. And you couldn't because you had been called to bring it to light, right? Mm -hmm. All of me, all of me, the, you know, this part of Aaron, this part of Aaron that God sees, I'm giving it all to you. And now you're wanting to dim, like put it back, like hide it, right? And there's no there's no way once you've been called out and to confess a sin or a struggle, you know, or whatever it is that you can't go back and hide it. You can't go back. So I'm going to ask you the question again. How did it make you feel? I know what you did. But what drove you to do that? Did you feel um, rejected? Disappointed? It's certainly then? disappointed. I, as as somebody who has struggled with people pleasing myself, I I guess I knew where they were coming from. I I think what disappointed me was when I when I stood my ground and said no 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 it's it's either everything or nothing and I I made a few statements and. One of the leaders uh, stopped me. And goes, well, that that's an awful lot of I statements, Aaron. That sounds awful selfish. <laughs> and oh. yeah, I just okay. Someone that has just confessed their sin, and you're telling them they're selfish in wanting to serve fully. Yeah. And I just said I respectfully disagree. Like I'm, yeah. I'm. I, I said I, I even argued. I said no. I said it'd be selfish if I was telling you it's my way or the highway. And if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to go tell the whole congregation and out you guys. You know, I didn't, right. I didn't do any of that. I just, so I said, no, I don't, I don't think that's selfish. So, so then how did it end? It, it, uh, so they finally stopped, realized having me meet with all the leaders was 
not a good idea. And so they narrowed it down to two leaders. And at my final meeting with them, I, I, you know, played a trump card with scripture. And I said, uh, Paul said that he wanted to be all things to all people. I said, you have a congregation of a thousand members who are all straight. That you know of. That yeah. you know, yeah, yes. that you know of. You assume because mm -hmm. no one yes. has come out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no way. I was, to my, to my knowledge, I was the first adult. Right. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. some, some other teens might have mm -hmm. possibly come out, but I, so to my knowledge, I was the first adult at this congregation to, to do this. But so I said, you've got a thousand members, other members who are all straight. I said, let me be the one gay Christian to show them what that looks like. And so why did you want to do that? Why? I mean, let's talk about that because I, I think you hit the nail on the head whenever you said, you know, I'm, I'm the first. And we were talking about that, you know, of, but you know, you have a bunch of kids, youth mm -hmm. that are in the congregation, how important that is that first of all, if there are, if there's somebody who, who struggles with adultery, if somebody struggles with alcoholism, if somebody struggles with any of these other sins, how important it is that somebody who has been through that walk through somebody else with that. So here you are, you're wanting to come in, be the first for what reason again? I mean, because you it, mentioned it, it took me 20 years. Yeah. I don't want anybody else to go through that. I don't want anybody else to, to be alone for 20 years and try and figure this out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there you hit it. There. You came out mm -hmm. not for yourself That's so right. much as you are, and maybe in reflection, thinking about others, that they mm -hmm. don't have to be alone in this because you were looking out at a congregation and seeing that you're not alone in your sin. And so there's, there's healing in confession, right? Yeah. And, you know, I've dogged a little bit on the leaders, but, you know, on a, on a plus side, one of them asked me, I remember the question about where do you see yourself, you know, five or 10 years from now? And I said, hopefully helping people yeah. with this. And he pointed yeah. at me, goes, that's exactly what I was hoping you would say. That's there it. you go. Yeah. Because that's, that's the love of Jesus. Something um, I had been thinking about and kind of reading, and we've talked about a little bit on um, some other podcasts is, you know, when Jesus said, when he healed people from their illnesses, right? And society at that time and culture viewed that as sin. They were unclean. And he said, get up and sin no more. You know, um, your faith has healed you. Well, we know that Jesus didn't expect them not to sin anymore because for that reason he came right to earth. And so I wonder if... You know, instead of expecting people to be perfect because that's a standard, none of us, we're all going to sin and coming to the realization that we are sanctified as a sinner is huge. And I believe, Aaron, that's what you have come to, you know, realize that this is my sin. This is what I struggle with. I don't want to struggle with that, but I live a sanctified life, even though I sin. Well, yeah, with my Enneagram type, I struggle with feeling like my presence matters and so therefore struggle with feeling worthy like i'm not i'm not worthy of that god but but jesus in you is and he's the one that makes us worthy that's mm. and going back to something that you had said earlier i think what you did was so important because like you said the doors of the church were open to every kind of sin except for one. 
like we have shut the door on on those with this type of sexual sin being gay gay homosexual or whatever and said they can't have jesus because they're gay they're homosexual so we've shut the door on it but yet we let everybody else enter the doors we let them come in oh yes you have a problem with this come in you're in the right place we're going to work with you through this but yet with this it seems like the door had been shut on that you've opened a door in that congregation you opened a door to say no we want you to come in because this is where you need to be i hope so yes join us next week as we continue aaron's story in part two